What companies would you want to work for? Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the prestigious Just Capital 2024 seal. Bank of America is ranked number one in the banking industry and number one for their ongoing commitment to workers, offering best-in-class benefits, including a minimum wage of $25 an hour by 2025. Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital. Everybody to another episode of Speedway Soccer. I am Davey Shepard, joined today by Chris Ivey, Ben Wright, and the new radio voice of National Soccer Club, Will Bowling, our good friend on the show. Will, let's start with that. Uh, congratulations, hearty, hearty congratulations from from us mere Speedway Soccer hosts uh, to the new radio voice. Man, that's great. We're super excited for you. All jokes aside, thank you, thank you. Um, no, I really appreciate you guys and. Um, you know, it's, it's been fun to see this club grow since day one, along with each of you. Um, and I'm uh, really excited to work with Lucas Panzika and Jaleel Alibaba, who crushed it this past weekend in game one against NYCFC. So uh, it's a dream job, dream come true, and uh, excited for, uh, for my first call this weekend uh, against Red Bulls and lots to discuss with the team right now, for sure. We would have had uh, loved to have had Lucas on tonight as well, but he is at the mind-numbing circus that is the NFL Combine. The so he Olympics. could not make it. Uh, good Lord. Uh, I mean, I told him, I was like, Lucas, if I see one more tweet, I'm blocking you, dude. I'm blocking you for the rest of the week. Like, I can't deal with it. Uh, Nashville SC, guys, gets off to a great start. 2-0 victory at home over New York City FC. So, look, let's get right into it. I'm going to pitch it uh, to Ben to start out. Um, look, I think a consummate performance, Ben. Uh, that was everything you want to see from a team in their opening um, opening game of the season. And I, I'll say this. I think it is kind of a performance that like, we haven't seen a ton of Nashville do. Uh, like, I, I think, Will, we were texting and you said it looked like they had a backbone when they were up a goal. And that's not something we see all the time. So, Ben, your thoughts just on the game as a whole starting out? Yeah, I mean, super impressive way to start the season. Um, that looked like a team in who had, who had played a couple games already. I mean, they were cohesive. They were on the same page. I mean, they've had a clear identity since day one, um, but they they implemented it effectively. They never were going to control possession, but I mean, no one's going to control possession against New York. But for whatever, I forget what the splits were. For as much of the ball that NYCFC had, they never really threatened um, consistently. Um, Nashville kind of dared them to play through the middle and knew that Walker Zimmerman and Jack Mayer and Sean Davis could just eat everything up. Um, and I, I just thought it was really cohesive from a defensive side. Get a goal from a set piece, something that they've struggled from recently. Um, and then, yeah, the counterattack. I mean, it was just their bread and butter. Defend well, score in a set piece, get a goal in transition. Um, I, I think they looked really good. I think Fafa Pico had a fantastic debut. Um, and yeah, I think initially, at least, it, it maybe kind of eased some of the concerns that I had going into the year. And now it just comes down to uh, if they can keep repeating it. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's start with this. Walker Zimmerman opens up his account for the year. Uh, first goal of the season off of a set piece, redirected ball. Chris, we were pretty critical of the team last year, both on offensive set pieces, clearly on defense as well. That's been the bigger story over the last two seasons. What did you see on that first set piece and then kind of uh, on set pieces as a whole for the rest of the game? Yeah, I mean, it's really encouraging to see them score on an attacking set piece again, as, as good as they were in the first couple seasons of MLS at converting those types of chances it was great to see them put one in the back of the net again um and, and that's really important for nashville so i mean as much as we talked about this offseason about ways to find secondary scoring i think we all kind of naturally talked about the striker position but there's other ways for this team to score and they proved it on saturday against nycfc and set pieces is certainly one of those key areas that if nashville can find goals with regularity there, then it takes away a lot of their concern in other areas of the pitch. Yeah, no, I think that's right. Um, Looking at the team in the first half, especially like Ben said, willing to give away the ball, but knowing that they were going to have it in meaningful opportunities. I think unlucky not to be up one before that Randall in uh, in particular, I remember having a really good chance on goal. Um, I think let's just go into Fafa, right? Like his debut uh, I think extremely successful. I think I, I made a joke in the group chat, Ben, that he had been invisible through eight minutes, uh, and then it was like you know, twenty minutes down, he he picks a goal uh, or picks an assist up. Um, but I mean, literally, just kidding. Uh, being the impatient person that I am in the chat, uh, what did you see from him, Will? I mean, I know you were in the house, you weren't on the call. What what did you think of Fafa's debut? I think it reminded me a lot of what Jacob Schaffelberg brought to Nashville when he first got here. Um, I I think the profile of the two players is pretty similar um, in the fact that they're very direct. They're going to take guys on -on one-on-one. They're very pacey, um, uh, but they're also very active in defense as well. I I know talking to Gary Smith about Fafa and just what he brings, um, it really likes the physicality and just knowing where to be on the defensive side of the, uh, of the ball. And, uh, especially as we all know, it's it, it's crucial, uh, critical in Nashville system for for the wingers to do such a good job and and set up uh, uh, and help out those fullbacks a lot defensively. I, I thought he had a really good partnership with Shaq Moore uh, pretty quickly into his Nashville debut. I think those guys haven't had a ton of time together, but uh, I thought they were particularly good. They looked cohesive. They looked like they'd been on the same page through preseason and uh, and through training. So I, I really think Fafa fits perfectly what Nashville wants to do it, on the counterattack specifically. I think where this team now has got to take the next step with him and, and with everyone else with the possession is how do we unlock a team in a low block? How do we unlock a team that is is sitting back and trying to protect what it has? We, we didn't see that test from him. I think, though, that Fafa is going to add some more ideas and add more creativity and just with his pace in general just simply because he's such a direct player for this Nashville team, which I think they've really needed more of on the wing. Yeah. I mean, and I think we, we talked about this a lot last year that Mukhtar is such like a singular threat. And really for most of last, last year, he was Nashville's only threat. And we were kind of wondering when teams were going to kind of key on and in on him and really be able to shut him down. I mean, maybe you saw it in the, in the playoff game against the galaxy, but, but I, I still think he's kind of, almost matchup proof um, because he's able to find space consistently, but having guys like Pico and Schaffelberg opposite, like on either side, opposite of him who are just such a threat to get in behind. They, they pin defenders back and I mean, they take attention off of him. Um, And so even if they're not getting the ball, every time they make a run, 
it, it opens space centrally. And I think, I mean, I forget, maybe Chris or Davey, one of you touched on it, but I, th- I think it really opened up a lot of space for Layal before Mukhtar came on. And you were seeing him pick up balls in the same type of spaces that Mukhtar does. He was able to get it kind of on the half turn and then just drive with it. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I know a lot of people were underwhelmed with Nashville's transfer window. Myself, one of the the foremost, but I, I mean, I, maybe Pico is going to be more effective than we thought. I think it was a really good debut from him. And I think kind of in a similar vein, I think Jacob Schaffelberg looks like he's gotten even better from last year. Um, and he's maybe he was kind of forgotten about a little bit just because he was signed on loan <laughs> around the same time as, as Shaq Moore. But I think those two are going to have huge impacts on Nashville this year. But Schaffelberg really excites me. I always kind of feel like an asshole being the guy who, who picks ma- a man of the match winner who, who didn't get on the score sheet. Uh, but for me, like uh, Leal Schafferberg were the, the most important players in the field. I thought they were both so, so good, got into such dangerous spaces and just did so much work. Um, I, I just was really, really impressed with uh, the level from both of those guys this early in the season. Obviously, you got to keep it up and it's a hard test to keep it up against Red Bulls this weekend. We'll talk about that here soon. Um, but I, I was super impressed with both of those guys. I really liked it. Really liked Fafa as well. Um, and look, Ben, you cursed him. We've got to talk about it. I thought Anibal, it, it's just unbelievable how much better the team is when he is in the lineup. Um, and that's no slight on Dax McCarty because I still think Dax can play a ball over the top that nobody else in this team can. Maybe, maybe Randall can play that kind of ball. Uh, but he's like the only guy I would say. Honeyball just he commands the field differently. He the guy wins fouls that no one else in the team can win. It just amazes me every time he did that the other day. Um, but unfortunately, it goes down. It looked to me like a separated shoulder. We have zero medical information to back that up. Um, and you know how this league gives with injuries. I'm not going to go into my normal complaints here. Uh, I'm not going to do it. You're not going to get me to do it. But. We will find out that Anibal is healthy when he starts the next match, okay? So that's the only time you're actually going to know that he is healthy. So um, really impressed with the performance from him as well. And again, I just thought, I don't know what else you can ask for from a team in week one. I, I guess Seattle, right? We'll, we'll go into the league results as a whole. I guess 4-0, you can ask for that. Um, really impressive performance all around. Uh before we move away, I don't, I don't know that I want to move away yet. I want to touch on just a few other things. I will say this. The most noticeable thing to me right off the bat, it looks like Jack Mayer has aged five years and put on 35 pounds of muscle. Like He went from looking like it's a young milk, guy baby. to like an absolute stud. Um, like I, just, I didn't even think it was him at first. I was like, who in the heck is that? Uh, I, I mean, I thought he played a great game, um, but it, he just like looks like he is maturing into that long-term center back that this team needs him to be. You took him as high as you did in the draft. Um, so really impressed with his game and just where he looks physically at this point in the season. I'm, Davey, I'm I think great he's with... upgraded from 2% to fight milk. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. That's fantastic. I think, ahead, I mean, I'm, I'm great with Jack Mayer being as nice a guy off the field as he possibly wants to be, I'm okay with him kind of being a little bit of a dog on the field. Um, and, and I think this is a larger discussion too about Nashville going back to the Eastern Conference, but how quickly we forget how fun of a rivalry NYCFC and Nashville is. I know this is one of Davey's favorite rivalries that we've discussed on the Absolutely. Nashville Soccer Show for years, but 
Jack Mayer was one of the key characters in that part of this story. I mean, when, when Hani Mukhtar gets uh, upended at the end of this game by uh, uh, the public enemy number one of Geodis Park and Chano at the end of this game, I mean, Jack Mayer is chest to chest with New York players after a lot of these hard challenges. And, and New York it was, was very, very boisterous at a lot of their challenges. I think they remembered that this was certainly a rivalry as well, but uh, that was the biggest thing I noticed from this entire game was Jack Mayer. I, I thought he was confident in his tackles. I thought even when he took some risks, even if they didn't come off for him, I would rather see him take those risks knowing that Walker Zimmerman is beside you as the eraser that he is, one of the best erasers and clearance guys in Major League Soccer. I'm okay with Jack Mayer being more aggressive and, and taking those chances for that reason. I, I thought he was terrific. I thought he was great just setting the tone beside Walker uh, and all the stuff that goes on you know, outside of the 90 minutes, outside of you know, what's between the whistles as well. Yeah, I mean, I thought Jack, Jack Mayer had a great game as well. There was just that one kind of played in ball to Andrade um, where he kind of slipped through um, Mayer yeah. and Walker Zimmerman. And that was the only time that you could kind of tell that, you know, that those two still needed to get on the same page. But for a first match, and it was only the fourth time that they had started together in a in a back four pairing, um, it looks like, that to me, you know, you would think otherwise that they had been starting together alongside each other for years, that they looked really good. The one thing I would say just kind of in the match in general is just, it was a great performance, but I would say, you know, we have a tendency of doing this with MLS of reading too much into week one results. We got really lucky about when we caught NYCFC. They're still missing a lot of guys, still a lot of guys who they haven't replaced, who were lost from last year's team. We saw today in the since back another added piece that will certainly strengthen that squad. This just set up really well for Nashville and kudos to them for taking advantage of it and marking a 2-0 win. But the road's going to get a little bit more difficult from here on out. Forgive me for the sloppiness here, but the homeboy that was wearing number 80 out there the other day was struggling. Uh, I mean, that was, I don't know that you're going to see that level of performance in midfield the rest of the year. That was tough. Uh, I mean, if you're a New York City fan. Also, real quick, shout out New York City FC. Wonderful traveling support. Uh, filled up the whole section up there in the sliver. They slip right up above from me. Um, is that still right next to you, Will? Is that still like right on the edge of your season tickets? Uh, no, it's on the um, it's on the other end because I'm oh, still opposite end. Okay, gotcha. yeah, we're in like right on midfield, opposite club level. Ah, uh, okay, perfect. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So they, I hear them, and they were. I thought it was a great performance. Ben, you had one thing to add, I think. Yeah, I mean, kind of related. I I thought. It was just really fun how the crowd went after Maxime Cheneau for the entire game. And that's that's something that we haven't seen. And I I mean, maybe it's not a big deal, but to me, it showed like a level of buy-in and like even awareness from a still pretty new soccer crowd that we just haven't seen before um, for fans to pick out a guy who was clearly, um, I mean, complaining to the ref. He was going down easily. He put in a couple tackles of his own. I mean, that, that one on Mokhtar towards the end of the game was by far the most blatant but i mean he he had been doing stuff like that all game and just for the crowd to be as aware and understanding it just felt like they got it in a way that we haven't seen before and for me that was just exciting to see kind of that development and maybe a little bit i don't want to say maturity because it sounds like it sounds a little bit pretentious but it, it felt like the crowd really got it and that was fun to see and i think it just it made it a better atmosphere and i'm sure chano i mean he won't say it but i'm sure he loved it um, and, and that's just the kind of stuff that, that makes games fun to go to. So I, I 
more of that, please. I, I thought the exact same thing, and I thought so specifically too when you see Hani Mukhtar running back to the bench after finishing his warm-up, and there's like a roar around the crowd because they knew that he had finished his warm-up and was about to come on. And then you have the MVP chant as he's like getting ready to come on. And then it just every time Hani Mukhtar had the ball at his feet for those 15 minutes, there was a buzz in that crowd. It, like it, it was it was really cool to see, I think, Nashville soccer fans learn more about this team, learn more about the game than they did last year. And, and uh, just sitting with my brother, too, I, I think I could speak for him comfortably saying that we had the exact same conversation in the moment, Ben, just about I feel like this city is taking to this team. I, I don't want to talk down to people and say, like, oh, you're learning soccer. Good for you. Like, I right. think beyond that, you're learning this team and the culture around this specific club. That to me is really, really cool. And I think the appreciation of Hani specifically, and even Randall as he's being subbed off after a great performance, I think was really noteworthy too. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think the the crowd really hit a different gear when Hani kind of entered the field, which I thought they had been great the whole game. So it, you, it was a noticeable uptick when he came onto the field. And you're right, Will. He's just got that vibe right now. I, I kind of cut my teeth watching pro sports in the younger Alex Ovechkin years at what was back then Verizon Center. Um, and it just when he got the puck, it was like you thought he was going to score every single yeah. time. Right now, when Hani's running at people, he's got the ball going forwards towards goal. You think either he's going to score or he's going to assist. Um, you saw that in this game, right? Uh, three players suck to him as he makes that run, starting right before midfield. He draws people in, and Schaffelberg's on the back door, standing right there by himself. And like uh, the guy's unbelievable, dude. He is such a good player. Um, and deserving of all the acc accolades that he's gotten. I couldn't agree more about Chano. Uh, I, I just thought it was awesome. Like, uh, And I think you're right, Ben. I bet you he absolutely loved it. Like, I bet you he was like, this is what it's all about. Everybody here hates me. You know, obviously the result didn't go the way that he wanted, but I mean, I thought it was great. Um, and you're right, Will. I think, I've said this a long time, I think Orlando and New York City FC are the only two authentic rivalries that Nashville or that Nashville SC has developed. I think you could probably lump Atlanta in there. There's been yeah. some pretty tight games there. Um, but Orlando and New York City have come to a, a, a tenor on the field that we haven't seen against any other club. Um, and this was another example of that. I think it is great to be back in the Eastern Conference and great to start the season out with a 2-0 victory. Um, last year, Nashville won one at home, I believe one, one at home to start the season. I think starting the season in general was a, a one, one away to Minnesota last year, right? Uh, no, well, last year it was one nil, uh, Seattle. Godoy oh, that was the winner. first game. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's right. You had eight, um, eight road games start the year last year. Yeah. Right. I was mixing this. The, the I think Minnesota must've been the second game. Then. Second game. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but no great way to start the season two zero victory at, a, you know, a stadium. I know we, we go back to the, the Nissan stadium history. Nashville struggled at home last year. They didn't do what you would expect them to do at home. Um, this is a great start. Like Chris said, Hey, uh, not the opponent that, I mean, kind of the opponent you would dream up, right. To start the season against a team in, in transition, the way that they are, they're going to be better later in the season than they are now. You would imagine. Um, but hey, you got how many times have I got on this podcast and said Gary Smith teams disappoint against the worst opposition? They did not do that Saturday. They went out there and controlled play against a team that they point blank are better than and earned all three points. And I, I couldn't ask for more than that. I left the stadium thrilled with the performance, thrilled with the atmosphere. I just thought it was great. Um, 
Weather held out. Thank God. That was wonderful. No rain. Um, that was that was just a good start. So very, very pleased with it. Head to New York this weekend. So uh, you play a team from New York at home. Now you head to play the other team from New York on the road. We're going to touch on them in just a minute. Uh, but first, guys, let's talk about league results as a whole. And uh, I think probably the safest place here to start here, the most surprising result is New Boys, St. Louis, FC, SC, FC? St. Louis City, but you have to yell City City, because it's an all SC. There you go. St. Louis City, SC. (laughs) SLC, SC. Um, Okay, (laughs) St. Louis City. They go on the road to Austin. Again, not an easy place to play. Get a 3-2 victory. Um, Again, talk about starts of the season. They could not have dreamed up a better start than that. Hard place to play, good team. You're on the road, your very first game. How many teams have we seen get absolutely walloped in their first game? They go on the road and get a 3-2 victory. Anybody watch it live? I caught the second half. I didn't see the whole thing. Um, But Austin, I mean, look, absolute howler from Keller, right? The center back, isn't that Keller had a nightmare. Yeah, like I don't know how much you can do with that. I saw the team kind of like put out a statement saying, hey, look, stuff happens, we get it, which is great to see. They were kind of bad at center back last year. Somehow I feel like they might be worse this year. Well, and they just lost Cascante too, um, who he came off. I, it was early in the first half. Keller replaced him. He's going to be out for a while. Um, it they Austin overperformed last year, and I think a lot of people were kind of expecting them to come back to earth. Um, I'm not saying it's going to be like this all year, but... I, I I don't I think they'll have a lot of trouble replicating what they did last year. To be fair though, Triosi scored already an early goal of the year contender. Um, Crazy. So I, I, he's he's going to be in the NBA race again. Absurd, dude! That ship yeah. is ridiculous. With his weak foot, I mean, yeah, ridiculous. Uh, is homeboy that scored the brace for St. Louis? Is that one of their DPS? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Well, DP in name only. I mean, he's not really, you know, a okay. big transfer they're a team fee of DPs, Chris. Yeah, they're they're a team of DPs that haven't focused on big money guys. But right. yeah, Klaus, the Brazilian, I think Brazilian German, yep, dual national striker. Great, great performance. Great performance <laughs> from St. Louis. Um, and I think what a great way to start, you know, start the season for those guys. Um, other one that caught my eye. I just don't know what to make of Atlanta United. Two cool. two one win over San Jose. Almeida scores in I think the ninety seventh minute or something like that. It Both was very late. very late. Ninety third um, and ninety seventh. Yeah. There you go. I, I just like. I don't know that they've been actually good since Nashville has been in the league, uh, and I think now it's just like they kind of just are a middling team, right? Like they just are what they are. We've seen enough track record for the last four years to know who they are, right? Yeah, I think that's fair, but I think too they have Thiago Almada, who might end up being one of the two or three best players in MLS this year. I mean, he was everybody knows he was on the Argentina World Cup roster. He's clearly talented, but I don't think he's ever really put it together. And I think now he's motivated just to get out of MLS. I think he he wants to make a big move either in the summer or winter window after being in the World Cup squad with a solid performance. I mean, they're going to be Premier Premier League teams knocking for him. So I think He's going to be putting in performances, not necessarily to try to win a trophy, but to try to earn a big move. And I, I think that can paper over a lot for Atlanta, at least in the short term. And other one I saw, Minnesota United uh, gets a 1-0 win. I think a lot of people expect them to be near the bottom uh, in the Western Conference. Good win over Dallas, a, a team I think is pretty hard to play against in a lot of circumstances. Um, and I, their Twitter admin was all over the preseason predictions after they pulled off that 1-0 win. 
Uh, guys, last one I'll touch on. Cincinnati gets a 2-1 win over Houston. I think we would agree they were outplayed for most of that match, right? Yeah, I mean, Houston looked surprisingly good. Maybe it shouldn't be surprising, given that uh, Ben Olsen is their coach. And as as bad as his teams have been in the past, he's at least got his players to to buy in and play hard. Um, and yeah, I mean, even in his post-game press conference... Um, I'm I'm blanking on his name. Cincinnati's manager said he would he, he would have trouble to even pick out two or three players who had a solid performance after a win at home, which you, you don't you don't see that often. Um, I I picked Houston pretty low in the Western Conference, and I, I think I still might have them pretty low. But I mean, for for their fan base, given how bad they've been and and how kind of disappointing things have been, even under this new ownership, I think it has to be a, a huge kind of moral victory even though they didn't come away with anything i think they they should be encouraged by that performance uh pat noonan the answer you're looking for pat noonan and pat onstad for houston i i got the two mixed up and just went with neither not jop stam not the guy that was put in the graphic on accident that one time when they hired him or didn't hire him so ridiculous i thought it would have been hilarious if that was an eric ten Hag picture but (laughs) (laughs) pointing towards the weekend Nashville SC travels to the state of New Jersey to play the team from New York. Uh, there he is. Red Bulls is a difficult opponent for Nashville SC. Always are. I think it's been one of the worst matchups for the club since their time in MLS. Um, I don't have the numbers to back that up. I'm sure listeners out there are not surprised that I don't have the numbers, but I bet the eye test is doing me justice there. Will, I know you're prepped. You're on the call this weekend with Jalil. Can you give us your thoughts heading into the game? Maybe some matchups within the game that you're uh, really excited to see. Yeah, I, I think it's an interesting one. And um, you are right, by the way. Nashville has never scored an open play goal against New York Red Bulls. Um, two matchups, uh, the first of which came uh, decision day two years ago now. Uh, Hani Mukhtar penalty was the only goal that that Nashville has scored against New York. I, I think when you talk about getting a team at a good time, um, there's never really a great time early in the season to play a team that presses you as aggressively as Red Bulls does. Uh, Red Bulls had the second lowest possession number of any MLS team last year. Um, so talking about Nashville using its directness to unlock a team and unlock a team that doesn't want the ball and just wants to pressure you, um, this is uh, the, the master's level course in your ability to beat a team that's going to let you have possession uh, despite the fact that uh, since 2010, they're joint top in MLS with Seattle for most points at home uh, in Major League Soccer. Red Bull Arena has been a fortress for this team. Um, the new formation, they, they've debuted in Orlando, the 4 um, You see it in Salzburg. You see it in Leipzig. It, it is the Red Bull way. Um, I think the thing that's interesting for them is um, their new Belgian striker, Dante Van Zier. It, is his paperwork, is his availability uh, a little bit more certain at this point. Uh, this guy's their club record signing if he hits some incentives uh, for them up top. And that's been new for them, specifically at the striker position in the days post Thierry Henry and, and Bradley Wright Phillips. It's been a lot of academy graduates. It's been a lot of MLS veterans. They've got those two, uh, and adding Corey Burke from uh, from Philadelphia up top as well to help in that effort. But um, this is a team that went 14 straight games last year without a goal from an out-and-out number nine. Think about that. I mean, it, for all the issues a lot of teams have across the league at the striker position, and they've got some great creators. I mean, Lucinius on the right side and, and Lewis Morgan, who's 
gone through a renaissance since leaving Miami. 14 goals for him last season. I mean, they've got some creators that are really, really good in that midfield. And they've got Tolkien on the left back, who's uh, probably bound for Europe sooner rather than later, if I had to guess, after getting his U.S. debut a few weeks back against Columbia as well. But uh, this is a team that's going to pressure you, that's going to force you to make mistakes. Um, and quite frankly, deserved better uh, from their 1-0 defeat to Orlando over the weekend. So massive, massive challenge for this Nashville team. I'm interested to see what changes this group makes going into this weekend versus their last game against a New York team that went a lot better um, you know, than, than their last Red Bulls matchups have uh, with the 2-0 win over the weekend. So uh, tons of question marks, and I, I'm fascinated to see how Gary Smith uh, puts his team out there. Chris, you mentioned level of difficulty with New York City FC. Goes up quite a bit traveling to Red Bulls. You were talking a little bit about Tolkien earlier and uh, his willingness to kind of get narrow. What do you see uh, with guys like Fafa or Schaffelberg on the other side? Yeah, not so much that he gets narrow, but that he's really the only width and that he bombs forward. Um, same with Harper on the other side. And it's just kind of a natural byproduct of that 4-2-2-2 system where everybody ahead of that back line sits very narrowly. They want to congest the midfield, turn you over, and then go 100 miles an hour the other way. Well, if they do want to get width out of that, it naturally has to come from those fullbacks. So that's really an opportunity for Nashville to attack, is if you can get them to turn over the ball, if Tolkien has got himself far up the pitch, then arguably Nashville can use the speed that they've acquired over the last year in, in Jacob Schaffelberg and Fafa Pico to exploit those areas of the pitch. So Nashville's always had that kind of counterattacking ability and something they've certainly relied on in the past in meetings with the Red Bulls. But I think they've got a, a couple of weapons that might make this a little bit more interesting than those past two matchups. Yeah, I'm really interested to see how Nashville approaches this. And I mean, kind of like Chris was saying about the uh, NYCFC win, as much as you don't want to read too much into that, I don't think you can read too much into a, I mean, a potential Nashville loss here. I think if they go in and play badly, I don't think it's time to panic or anything. I think it's just a bad matchup for them. Um, But I think there are ways that you can approach it that don't necessarily play into Red Bull's hands because they they want you to bypass midfield. They want you to hit it long up to a a target forward and try to... They're daring you to beat them to second balls. And they know that they can pretty much win those all over the field at any position. And I'm really interested to see if Godoy is healthy because I think he's one of... one of a few Nashville players you can play through a press. I think Dax McCarty is another. Um, so I, I'm really interested to see how Gary handles McCarty if Godoy can't play, if he gives him the start. I, I just don't see a, a midfield of Sean Davis and Brian Anunga being able to do much against a high press. Um, but if you can get McCarty, you can kind of maybe bypass, bypass excuse me, bypass that like initial line of pressure. If you can get Mukhtar and Layal and and Pico and Schaffelberg on the field at the same time. I don't think we see that ever under a Gary Smith system, but if you can get kind of a fluid and interchanging front line that doesn't even have a, a target forward, I think you could, you could cause some problems. Again, I, I don't think that is going to happen under Gary Smith, but it's an interesting thought at least. I think too, we talked about Jack Mayer and that new partnership with Walker Zimmerman. Uh, this is uh, a really, really tough test for that partnership already and just being pressured um, by that front line that's so dynamic and, and just so athletic. I mean, Red Bulls is uh, Red Bulls are quick uh, up top. Uh, I don't know what the strike pairing is going to be, but 
they've got about six strikers that they could feasibly put in. Half of them are academy graduates. Um, that would be really strong options and just pressing Zimmerman and Mayer. So they've got to kind of be uh, on the same page. One name I want to throw out there that is not as much of a household name um, is Peter Stroud, the center midfield player who made his debut over the weekend. Uh, his brother uh, in that game for St. Louis uh, played a key part in that game for St. Louis, I, I should say. Uh, would have been the number one overall pick uh, by many analysts' uh, account, but New York had his homegrown rights because he played there when he was 12. Uh, kid from New Jersey, out of Duke, two-time ACC midfielder of the year. Um, I wonder now that he's kind of gotten his feet wet a little bit, does he get a, a more of a full debut, maybe 30 minutes, 45 minutes in the second half of this thing? They gave the kid the number five shirt, and it's his first year ever in MLS. That Maybe I'm reading too much into that, but it tells you a little bit. Uh, really dynamic playmaker in the midfield, a, a really big name to remember just not only for New York, but just at MLS. Uh, the kid's got a ton of talent. Well, touching on that same idea, you said got a few minutes, 20, 30 minutes. Hani played, I think, about 16 minutes the other day. Is that enough to get him into the starting lineup this weekend, or do you think we see another bench performance? You know, I, I really could go either way on that. You know, I, I just think knowing Gary Smith's history in MLS and through what we've seen in USL, I, I would guess that the next step for him would be playing 45 minutes versus playing, um, you know, a full 60 from the start. And I think you'd rather have him available for the final 30 even than you would for the first 60. Um, so uh, not knowing really anything background about that, um, I, I would imagine that we're probably a couple weeks away, but um, that, that's purely speculation just based off of the way we've seen Gary Smith manage these things in the past. I guess the other side of that coin is Schaffelberg, Leal, Fafa, all the performances were so good. Like, why do you need to swap one of those guys sure. right out with, with the performance that you saw from them? Ben, you had some other thought there? Yeah, and I just kind of along the same lines. I don't know how much it's worth it to risk Mukhtar in what's going to be a super physical game against a, a high energy team. When I mean, like you said, it's not like the performances were so bad that you have to get him on the field because you have no other options. And also, I mean, it's week two of a long season. There's no reason to risk anything and, and aggravate it. And you have, I mean, not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but you have a pretty winnable game against Montreal at home coming up next week. I think it would make a lot more sense to to keep him on the bench again um, against Red Bulls and and maybe give him sixty minutes against Montreal. Um, but yeah, I mean he he's the best attacker in, in MLS. You can't you can't risk getting him hurt over something preventable this early. Guys, any other changes you expect? Obviously, we I, I don't think anybody here expects Godoy to start. Um, it seems like Dax is probably next man up, right? Yeah, unless me. unless Gary just wants to lean into the physical nature of the game and does play that kind of Red Bull against Red Bull and then put Anunda in there as somebody who's going to battle it. I mean, that's the only thing I could see, potentially. The only other even feasible option would be, and again, I don't think this happens on the road, but it would be, I mean, if you're wanting to figure out how to play through a press, it would be really interesting to drop Layal into midfield next to Davis. And I think he would need a healthy Mukhtar to do that. But again, I think if you're looking for ways to to play around Red Bulls, I think he's one of a few, a handful of players who could do it. But that, again, that's yeah. Super I just don't think week two is where we see right. it happen. If I, I'm skeptical that we ever see it happen in earnest, um, yeah. 
and I think definitely not this week. But I would love to see it as well. I mean, we've talked about this probably to the point that people are sick about it out there. So I've banged uh, that drum for way too long. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's for sure. But hopefully, we see a uh, CJ Sapong at least make the the match day squad this week. Um, you know, I, I I know people. I've been critical of Teal Bunbury in the past. Um, uh, I just think the other day, I don't know that you're ever going to see him thrive in that nine position, like as the true target man, particularly when Hani Mukhtar isn't standing right next to him. So as good I as I thought, good. I thought he was okay, but I just don't I, think, I, I don't think you're ever going to see him like, oh, good Lord. That was like an out and out target man. Number nine. performance. No, I, I don't agree. think that's who he is as a player. No, he doesn't do the same holdup work that CJ Sapong does, but he's a right. much better passer. And so sure. I, I, it yeah, was yeah, really yeah. fun when he dropped a little bit deeper. And I mean, kind of like we, we talked about already, just how the wide players open up so much space. I think him getting on the ball kind of in deeper positions and being able to play it through to Schaffelberg or Pico is a, a completely different look from what you get with Stepong. Yeah, no, I, I actually, I think that's totally fair. I, I just think, I think some of the rumblings I heard that day and then a little bit of stuff I saw on Twitter was more expecting that CJ type performance and it's just not who he is. So sure. yeah, um, that's fair. again, I think the sooner... You can get a CJ. Look, if you're not going to be able to unlock a team through the midfield and you need a goal against a team like Red Bulls, being able to hump the ball up top to a big body is the next best option. And I don't know that you get that out of Teal. So just a thought. Guys, let's end with this. We got like two, three minutes left before we hit our our, our 40 minute mark. Uh, Apple TV, um, first weekend in earnest with all of the production. And I thought they did a great job. I, I retweeted it. It was like the comparison between Fox Sports and Apple TV's production. I mean, it just looked like cable access versus ESPN or something like that. Like, it was absolutely absurd. Um, I thought the quality of broadcast, I watched the game back at home, was tremendous. We'll be very, very excited for this weekend. Tony Husband on the call. Don't forget that you can swap over to the radio voice of Nashville SC and get Will Bowling on the call as well. Not um, uh, not for road games. Not not for the road games, right? Yeah. When they're when they're home, you do have for the Montreal. I will Jaleel and I will be with you synced up with uh with with TV. Love it. Uh yeah, so let's I just want to hear your guys' thoughts. I was I thought it was great. Um obviously room for improvement, but I was super pleased with it. Yeah, I mean I think it's everything MLS fans have ever wanted. And I mean I've been watching this league for God, maybe since before Will was born. And <laughs> we, as a fan, like you, you've just been begging for this level of coverage. And I, it really does feel like the first moment that I've always thought that this is now, you know, one of the major sports leagues in America. It now is presented and feels like it's one of the major league, major sports leagues in, in this country. And that's just a huge step forward. And um, sure, I mean, you know, week one that there's some kinks to iron out, but I mean, I can tell you, driving back to Knoxville after the game Saturday and just being able to click in the app, listen to the whip around show. Even if I can't see the video while I'm driving, I mean, it was incredible. It, just being able to listen in on every match and commentary on it. It's something that we've always wanted for years and years. Yeah. I thought it was, I thought it was really, really good. And, um, you know, I think the biggest thing for me is the uniformity in the presentation, um, and that's probably just me being a, a broadcast nerd also, um, because I, when I was born, as Chris mentions, I was basically a broadcast nerd at that point, but, um, just the, the video quality looks the same and, and the, it's the same HD. Like it looks really, really good. 
I like simple graphics. I, I don't like all these, you know, uh, football and basketball. Just try to do too much sometimes. I like the simplicity and just the clean look of it. Um, the commentary teams are really good. You know, I, I think this is the wild, wild west for a lot of the clubs. And, um, you know, I think teams are going to have to learn just trusting new voices. I mean, th- there are some of these broadcasters that have been local television voices for over a decade at a lot of these places. And so that's going to take some getting used to, I think, for some of the more established clubs and for, you know, Steve Cangelosi, who's a an MLS broadcaster, not the Red Bulls voice, as he has been for quite some time. I mean, it, things like that, I think, take getting used to, but it just, it felt like a big deal. It, it, it really did. I think Chris hit the nail on the head that it, it felt like a major sport. It felt like the way ESPN treats baseball and, you know, treats a lot of these other things that aren't football. And yeah, football is always going to get a different level of coverage in this country. And there are numbers and, and ratings, I promise you, to to back up that. But uh, I think for us and for this community and for for soccer and, and what MLS is right now, I, I thought they hit a home run for, for week one. I really, really did. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, you mentioned this already, Will, but just having like uniform standards across the board makes a huge difference because it had varied so much from game to game. Like you turn yeah. on a Houston game and it was like, they were under completely different like directions from Orlando. Like the angles were different. Like the, even the color grading was completely different. And I think yeah. that's, I mean, we, we talk about the premier league all the time as kind of the gold standard. And I, I think, I mean, quality of play and narrative is huge. And I think they have that far and away ahead of any other league but the the broadcasts are also just way better like even if you turn on a premier league game it's noticeably better it it just looks better than a Serie A game or a bundesliga game here in the u.s and i think that's because they've done just an absolute like fantastic job getting uniform broadcast standards across the board what is this premier league that you keep referring i i don't i'm not familiar (laughs) with that league do you follow wrexham exclusively right that's good that's right i'm just a wrexham only fan i don't I will not be paying attention to the Premier League for quite Somebody some time. Somebody screen grab this. Think, so. <laughs> <laughs> but I yeah, hate uh, that we don't I, have a Premier League minute on a Nashville <laughs> soccer show anymore to gloat. Oh, my God. That's what uh, Andy said in the chat. He said, where is Will going to yell at everybody about Arsenal if he has no more Nashville soccer and show? You, I, and I... I also I want it known that Arsenal got good when I started being more realistic about where Arsenal was and when I picked them to finish second this year, which I'm still going to say is probably going to happen. Second to Manchester United, we know it's happening. Okay, all right, here we United go. are good too. Newcastle, I don't. Yeah. We're not gonna. We're, we're out of time. We're not going to go down a rabbit hole here. But United. I just want to yes, point out that United were number one in Bleacher Reports European Soccer Power Rankings today. Mm-hmm. Marcus Rashford is the taking stock in of for European years. soccer. That's true. Is, is and has one Mar- trophy. I think Marcus Rashford, I don't I don't think there's this is probably a just a stone cold fact. He's the most informed player on the planet right now. No questions yes. asked. He's outrageous right now. Yes. Well, guys, I have a two-year-old banging on the door next to me. We are out of time anyway, so I'm going to put this one to bed. Uh, listen out there. We appreciate you listening. I'm Davey Shepard, Will Bowling, Ben Wright, Chris Ivey, all here. Um, Will is on the call. Make sure you turn into that uh, for, for Rebels on the radio this weekend. Um, 6.30 start, is that right? Uh, yes, uh, 6.30 kick okay. and terrestrial radio as well. I know many people asked about that, but um, right. no Tennessee conflicts. Uh, we are not on the app. We are uh, first game ever on the 104.5 Terrestrial Radio Signal. Um, so looking forward to that on Saturday. Love it, guys. We appreciate you listening. Uh, I got to get out of here. This game is about to knock down the door. Have a great night. We love you guys. We'll see you next week.
They call that going full shepherd on the podcast is when I, I butcher one of my lines like that. <laughs> Never go full shepherd. No. Business has always been about turning a profit, making money. But can it stand for something more? Something beyond dollars and cents? We think so. We think that today, business has a higher calling, a purpose to be fair and just, to do right by their workers, customers, communities, and the environment. And it turns out companies successful doing that also do better for their bottom line. When you see the Just Capital seal, it means this company is a force for good. Visit JustCapital.com to learn more.